Good morning. I'm Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here. It's my honor and privilege to unpack the Word of God with you and for you and study that with you. Uh, let me just tell you a, a parable that Jesus told. A parable is just a story with a deeper meaning. And Jesus told this parable about a barren fig tree. Everybody say barren fig tree. Okay, I just wanted to check and see if you were alive this morning, because that's an easy one, right? Barren tree. And he said that there was a man who had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it take up or use up the soil or the ground? And he answered him, the vine dresser answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if in a year from now it'll bear fruit, if it should bear fruit next year, well, well and good. We'll come back to that in a second. But speaking of trees, uh, my, did you like that segue? <clears throat> my, uh, my wife and I have known that we've needed to trim some trees back uh, in our, on our property around our house. We got like way too many trees and uh, we needed to trim some back. Some were kind of touching the roof of the house and making noise and uh, that wasn't okay with my wife. So we, uh, we had to trim these things back and I've told you before that I'm not handy really or I, I'm not handy at all. And so I, I was thinking, well, I got to trim these trees back also uh, my house is two stories, and there's a steep grade at the back, and so at the back side of the house, it's like pretty tall, pretty high up there, okay? And so I'm thinking, I don't think I can do this alone, and you have to have those long like saws, you know, these are big limbs, and you got to be able to like stand on the edge of the roof and, and do this whole thing, and, and so I, I didn't think I could do that, so I called one of my friends who's about 20 years older than me, an adultier adult, right, to come and help me and to do this, and this dude is like... You know, jack of all trades, got, got a bunch of tools. He's, you know, kind of Superman guy, not scared of heights. And so he comes over, and we, it's just last week or the week before, and we, we trimmed these limbs, huge limbs. And I assisted him, right? And my job was really like if he got close to the edge, just to hold his shirt and hope for the best, all right? And that's kind of what I did. I figured, you know, if he's going to fall off my roof, I should at least be there to witness it for insurance purposes. And so... Um, we were up there, and he, we, we had to hang out of a, a, a window one time and do it, and, and he slowly and expertly cut these huge limbs in such a way that they didn't fall on the roof, and they didn't hit, crack windows, and they didn't kill any dogs, and that was exciting, okay? The last part, I could have, whatever, but the other parts were exciting, and so uh, he got it done. We got it done. Huge limbs, you know, falling down and cutting these limbs, and it was good. We probably won't have to do that for, for years to come, uh, you know, because I know how fast limbs grow. Uh, and so I figure we'll be good for a while. But it was hard. It took hours to do this. It was cold. Um, then I had to haul all the limbs off. And uh, my friend conveniently had something going on at that time. And so it was just me and, and my nine-year-old and my five-year-old. And they were a huge help um, hauling these limbs off. And the next day I was sore because I'm old, right? And when you do things, as you get older, when you do things that you used to think it was no big deal, the next day you pay for it, right? Does anybody experience that or is it just me? And so I, I'm paid for it the next day. I was sore. It was, it was hard. And we've also got something going on with our gutters on our house too. Like 
the water pools in certain areas and then falls off the front of the gutter and causes like some leaking in our basement. And so I tried to fix it, but I didn't. And so that's still happening and that's, that's annoying. And, and get this, I kid you not, this last summer, we mowed the grass and it grew back. And then we mowed it again and it grew back again. And we kept having to mow it and mow it. And in this last month, man, my property is just covered. It's overtaken by leaves. I'm like, where are these leaves coming from? There's no leaves on the trees, and still every day it's more and more and more. It's a miracle at my house. You should just come look at the miracle of the leaves. It's huge, lots of leaves covering the ground, which is great for my daughter Kennedy when she goes out and picks up the dog droppings. But there's lots of leaf raking and leaf blowing and hauling off. and It's annoying, right? I mean, I hope, I hope next year, next fall, that the leaves don't fall, you know? Because that would be annoying if we have to do this again. And I hope next year in the summer that we don't have to mow the grass again. I hope that in the winter, I don't have to, this coming winter, this winter, that I don't have to shovel the snow like I did last year, because that would be annoying. And it would be really great if it didn't rain too much so that my tree limbs didn't grow again. That would be, that would be really awesome. Homeownership, right? You have to keep doing stuff over and over and over. It's called maintenance. So we're in a series of messages on marriage, and we're calling this series Fixer Upper. And there are a bunch of different TV shows about house hunting and house building and house renovating and house flipping. And if you own a house, you got to know that it's going to take work, right? It's going to take work. If you don't want to deal with heaters going out and counters needing to be replaced and windows breaking and the roof leaking, trees dying and needing to come down, raking and mowing and and shoveling snow, if you don't want to do that, then don't own a house because that stuff is going to happen. And we know that, right? I mean, when we buy a house, we know that, that that contract signing day isn't the end, it's the beginning, It's the beginning of our worries in home ownership. It's when we start the process, not when we end it. And yet when it comes to marriage, we live like the wedding day and the wedding license is the goal and the end. We live like that's it, that that's once we get married, once we say I do, then we're good to go. We just expect things to happen on their own because we love each other, or it's, it's meant to be. As long as it's meant to be, we'll be fine. What does that even mean? I'll tell you what it means. Nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. We don't plan. We aren't intentional. We, we don't maintain or improve or cultivate or prune. We just live in this marriage like a house we don't take care of. The, the lawn needs to be mowed. The leaves need raking. The windows are broken. Broken. There are leaks coming through the roof. Things get out of date, and we're just expecting someone else to take care of it. Seasons change, and we don't prepare. So the premise of this series that I hope you accept by the end of it is that just like every house is a fixer-upper, so every marriage is a fixer-upper. There are no easy relationships. 
There are no easy marriages. Just like there are no yards that mow themselves, there are no marriages that take care of themselves. Every marriage takes intentionality, purposeful action, attention, and more to succeed and to actually make it in sickness and in health till death do us part like you vowed. So in this series so far, we've talked about in week one, the foundation of marriage being Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that he is the cornerstone that makes everything else work. We talked about that in week one. In week two, we talked about fighting. We talked about weathering storms, but specifically weathering storms within yourself and within your marriage. And we talked about how every marriage has conflict. And so if you're running away from conflict, it's silly because you're running towards it as well and you're carrying it with you. Conflict is everywhere. There are no marriages without conflict. And so last week we talked about how to resolve conflict, how to fight right, how to fight the one you're with and stick with them after the fight is over. And so we talked through that. If you missed either of those, make sure you go to iTunes or our website and listen so that this message uh, makes more sense. But today, I want to talk to you about these ideas of maintenance and renovation. Maintenance and renovation. Whether you buy or you build, your home will eventually need to be renovated, right? The bathrooms will age to a point that you need to replace things. You'll have to redo countertops and flooring. Carpet will begin to look pretty ragged, If you don't replace it, kitchen cabinets, fresh paint on the walls, light fixtures, things will go out and wear out and they'll need to be replaced, repaired. They'll they'll need maintenance. We know this about home ownership, but it's the same with marriage. It's the same with marriage. Your marriage will go through seasons of renovation and repair. Things change. What worked before doesn't work anymore in this new season. And this can happen a lot of different ways, right? Like it could be a change of job or a change of location. It could be financial change. It could be an illness that changes some dynamics and you go through a a different season in your marriage. It could be a lot of different things. But what do you think is the biggest factor that causes seasonal change within your marriage? What do you think it is, the biggest factor? Kids, right? It's kids. And so that's where I want to focus our time on today is this idea of kids and parenting within your marriage. And I know that some of you don't have kids, uh, but most of you who are married will have kids or, or already have kids. And these principles are good for you with or without kids. In fact, Um, All that we've talked about in this marriage series really can be applied in a lot of ways to any relationship, right? Today we're going to talk about a a principle, a spiritual principle that is woven within the foundation of creation uh, that, that way surpasses and transcends marriage. So you can apply these things to other areas in your life, but I want to talk to you about this, um, in in the idea, or about renovation and maintenance within this idea of kids. And and here's why uh, I want to focus on kids uh, within this idea, because I think some of us, as I look around, I think some of us are heading towards disaster in our marriage if something doesn't change. 
for some of us, we need a pretty major course correction in this area. And it won't be easy. And maybe you might not like love me for calling it out today. But, I, but I'll tell you that me talking to you about it is me loving you. Because it's not love to watch somebody heading towards disaster and do nothing about it. That's more like the opposite of love, hate. You'd have to hate somebody a lot to watch them walking towards a cliff and say nothing, right? And so there are really three major seasons in the average marriage. We could get a lot more detailed. We could do sub-seasons. We could probably come up with 35 different seasons. But there are really three major ones, three basic ones. You usually have the honeymoon season, and you have the raising kids season, and you have the empty nest season. We could go deep in each of these. We could go into the honeymoon and go career establishment and post-career stuff and maybe college before that. And we went into kids. We could say age of kids really changes seasons and changes dynamics. And we went into empty nest. We could say, okay, maybe pre-retirement, post-retirement, maybe pre-assisted living facility and post-assisted living facility. I don't know. So we could go deep in these areas, right? But in general, we've got these three, honeymoon, kids, and empty nest. And we really could say it this way, pre-kids, kids, and post-kids. That's really the three major seasons for most marriages. And depending on the person, you have different feelings about each of these. Like some of you think back to that pre-kid time, and you think of it fondly. You're like, oh, Them were the days. That was an awesome time in our marriage. I mean, it was just awesome. Like, we would be just like sitting on the couch, and then we would turn to each other and go, do you want to go out for dinner? Yeah. And then we would just stand up (laughs) and walk out. We just got to the door, and we just opened it, stepped out, closed it, and went to dinner. It was amazing. Now it takes 45 minutes. There's convincing, and there's shoes, and there's coats, and there's hats, and that one won't come down from their room, and that one always goes to the bathroom right when we're getting in the car, needs to go to the bathroom, and that's always a problem. You think about your marriage then, like, man, we had all this time. We went on dates, and we made out a lot, (laughs) and that was really great. And we weren't exhausted by like 7.45 p.m. We stayed up longer. It was awesome. I remember that time in my marriage. I love my kids dearly. I'm the dad who loves playing dolls and playing Legos. And I look forward to hugs and kisses every day. And and I love being a dad. I like tent camping, which is crazy with my kids. I love just being around my kids. But I look back on my pre-kid season of marriage, and it was a lot of fun. It was a different season. Others of you look back on that time and you think it was, was empty. That your family wasn't yet complete because you didn't have your kids yet. In our marriage, um, that honeymoon pre-kid season was fun in some ways, but it was also very, very difficult. Studies show that the highest risk of divorce is within the first two years of a marriage. It's usually pretty rocky. And it was no different for Aaron and I. It was a tough time. And most of it was me. Maybe all of it. (laughs) 
I had some pride to deal with and some selfishness to deal with and some self-centeredness to deal with. It, it was tough. I was a kid learning how to be a husband. You know, society-wise, I was considered an adult, but I was, I was considered a man, but I was really more like a boy who shaved or not. <laughs> and so it was a difficult time. It was a tough time. It's mainly me, but God was gracious and so was my bride. And for us, year three was a big turning point. The, the Lord grew us and matured us. And we, we, we made a turn. And it was just in time because year four, Aaron was pregnant. And year five, Kennedy was born and we moved to China. So it got legit, right? We had to renovate. We had to reorganize. We had to make sure that our marriage could handle this. It was a different season, then four years later, we moved back and started pastoring, and that was a different, I thought missionary was hard, then I had to deal with all these people, right? I was like, ah, kidding, kind of. <laughs> but we had to pastor, we came back pastoring, that, that was a different season. And then number two was born, and if you've seen him or talked to him, you know that was an interesting season, right? That was a season change, when number two was born. Then number three was born, and I realized that everything I was doing before number three wasn't even really parenting. Because you, it's not parenting until they outnumber you, right? It's not parenting until you go from man-to-man defense to zone. That's when it gets serious, all right? And so I, I realized, man, I got to learn how to be a parent, and I've got three kids, all right? And so there was season changes there. Then another change when we moved here, seasons, right? Renovation. So percentage-wise, we have a lot of kids as a church, um, as Great Oaks. We have a higher kid-to-adult ratio than, than most churches in our country. And so like many of you, Aaron and I are in this kid season right now in our marriage. And, and that can be hectic. That can be fun. But it can be difficult. In fact, research shows that that Marital satisfaction really takes a hit when you have that first kid. Focus on the family. It has an article about that, and it says that according to this analysis of 90 different studies, 31,000 married people, that there's this drop in marital satisfaction, and, and that we're worse than our parents before us, that it's 42% worse with us than it was with our parents when they had kids. So it can be fun this season, but it can be difficult. And many of you, you, you may look at the next season, the empty nest season, you may look at it with, with some fear and some trepidation. You may dread that season, or you may be counting the days, right? Like, when can we kick the kids out and not go to jail for it? That's what we want to figure out. When is that day? When is moving day when we help load the car and go, see ya? Did my best, son. See ya. When can we do that? It depends on who you are. You, you may be looking towards that with excitement, or you may be looking towards it with fear. And for those of you who are there in that season, maybe it's been great. Maybe it's been great. But maybe it's been really difficult. Maybe it's been a struggle renovating your marriage, repairing the things that need to be repaired after the kids move out. Maybe it's been difficult. Recent researchers 
Our research has found a surge in divorces after 50 years old. Some researchers uh, estimate that the second most likely time for a marriage to end in divorce is just after the kids leave the home. So the first two years is the riskiest time, and the second riskiest time for marriages is right after the kids leave the home. Maybe you're there or close. Maybe you've got high schoolers and you're worried. And what are we going to do? How are we going to relate to each other without kids around? Like we haven't been alone in the house for 20 years. How do we, how's this next season going to work? The house is looking pretty out of date. Things are falling apart. Repairs are needed. Renovation. The tree is looking pretty barren. Jesus said a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree. And I find none. What do you do with a barren tree? Seasons are changing and the tree isn't changing. Seasons are changing and the house isn't being picked up. With the rest of my time, I want to give you two principles to take home and think about. The first principle is about your kids and how they affect your marriage. The second principle transcends all of that, transcends marriage. You can apply it in a bunch of different ways, but I want you to think about how it applies to your marriage first. So here's the first principle I want to leave you with today. Raising your kids is a temporary assignment, but building your marriage is a permanent one. Raising your kids is temporary, but building your marriage is permanent. Your kids will be in your house a fraction of the time you should be married. If you get married at 25 and die at 85, that's 60 years of marriage. Your kids will be in your house about 20 to 25 years of that. That means that two-thirds or 60-something percent of your married life will be without kids in the home. Raising kids is a temporary assignment, but building your marriage is a permanent one. I'm not saying that parenting ends when they move out. I get that it's a long-term gig. I get that but it's different. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many people getting divorces when they start that empty nest season. It's different. Listen, this is why if you're putting kids above spouse, if you're putting parenting above marriage, you're in trouble. Because it has to be God, spouse, then kids. That's the only way it works. But as I look around, I think a lot of us have that backwards, flipped. We've got it kids first, then spouse, then God. Or it's career, kids, spouse. God doesn't even make the list. And that's a problem on a bunch of levels. That's a problem on a bunch of levels. It's got to be God, husband, then kids. God, wife, then kids. That's the way it's supposed to work. When the Bible gives us instruction for our families, it starts with marriage, then it moves into parenting or how children should obey or whatever. If you center your life on your kids, what happens when they're not around anymore? 
What happens if they're not around? If you neglect your husband for 25 years because you're so focused on your kids, the renovation and the repair needed in that third season is going to be huge. If you neglect your wife for 25 years because you're so focused on kids that you're at every practice and every game, every night of the week and every weekend all the time because to you, super dad means super coach or activities coordinator of the year. When you enter season three, which should be the longest season of your marriage by far, the renovation needed is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And my concern is that you'll crumble under the weight of it. My concern is that you won't make it through the repairs that are going to be needed. Like when you bit off more than you could chew with that whole bathroom remodel thing, or the addition on the house, or the new shed in the back, and you had to call in the experts or worse yet, pay some hospital bills? Yeah. My concern is that it'll break you. You'll be one of these statistics. And some of you are in a very difficult situation when it comes to this whole thing because yours is a blended family. Let me just say this. I love your blended family. My family was a blended family. I have two stepbrothers and two biological brothers. I love your blended family. You're not a second-class family to me, not even close. I pray for your blended family. But you do have a difficult task ahead because your relationships with your biological kids predate your relationship with your spouse. Maybe by a long time, maybe by a lot, Maybe for a long time you did the parenting thing by yourself. It was just you and that kid or you and those kids. And maybe during that time you made some promises to yourself and to them. Promises like no man will ever come between us again. Promises like you'll always be first no matter what happens, if I get remarried or not. Promises like don't have to worry about my new wife getting in the way of our relationship. You're number one to me. Maybe you made some promises like that. Listen, I understand why you did it. I understand. It's just that your marriage will not survive if that's really how it is. If your kids take precedence over it. I know it's difficult. I get that it feels like a zero-sum game, that if your marriage wins, your kids lose. But here's what I would say to that. Your kids will never suffer because you commit in a strong way to your marriage. They just won't. That's not the way it works. They won't suffer because of your strong commitment to your spouse. You don't have to choose between your spouse and your kids. When you make your marriage priority in your family, you're actually choosing both. Because it's better for the kids that they're not primary. Because if your marriage ends in divorce, your kids are the biggest losers in that deal. They lose their sense of security and to a kid 
Losing your sense of security means your whole world gets turned upside down. No amount of football, dance, softball, piano lessons, or toys can make up for that. God, spouse, then kids. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not easy, but it's the only way this thing can work because raising your kids is a temporary assignment, but building your marriage is a permanent one. And a lot of us in the kids season right now, we say things like, once the kids are gone, we'll focus on us. Once the kids are out of the house, we'll have some time to focus on just us. But listen, beloved, it'll be too late by then. The house will have fallen down around you. The tree will be barren. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 4. It'll be on the screen. It says this, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The, the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of that verse has it this way. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. This brings me to my second principle I want to leave you with. You cannot grow what you do not sow. Anything you don't cultivate will die. You cannot grow what you do not sow. This is that principle that I said would transcend your marriage. It goes beyond just marriage, but I want you to apply it in terms of your marriage first. There are seasons in marriage. You must sow in this season what you want to grow in the next season. Otherwise, you'll get to the next season and you won't have what you need. You won't be able to reap what you thought you were going to reap in that next season. If you don't sow, you won't grow. If your focus on this season is on this season and this season alone, if you've got kids in the house and all your focus is on them and you're not cultivating your marriage for the future, it will die. You'll look up in the next season and you won't know what to do. You'll have nothing to keep building on. You'll be strangers to each other. The house will have fallen down around you. I'm pleading with you. Don't wait till the next season to start sowing what you want to see in that season. Plant it now. Sow it now. If you want to grow it, you have to sow it right now. Start planting, sowing, cultivating, building. If you're too lazy to plant in the spring, you cannot expect a harvest in the fall. So how do you know, though, where you're at in all this? Um, honestly, I think if, if you would just be brutally honest with each other um, as husband and wife, I think you'll know. I think you'll be able to tell just by looking around. Uh, you probably already know uh, what you need to work on and what you need to do uh, to, to, to do this right, to have this in the right order. But if you need proof, just look at how you spend your time and your money. Look at those two things. Then you'll you'll know. Get your calendar out with your husband or wife. Talk about this last month. Ask, how, many, how much time have we spent alone, quality time alone together this last month? How much time have we spent without the kids being the focus of everything or individual hobbies being the focus of everything or career being the focus of everything? How, how often, talk about how often you've been physically intimate over the last month. 
If you think you don't have money to do stuff together, to take, to go on dates or go on weekend trips or, or something like that as a couple, then the question becomes, where's your money going? If it's travel leagues and toys and gaming systems and Disney trips and ballet and dance lessons, maybe, maybe you need to do some cutting. Maybe you need to do some pruning. And that's really, really the next Step, take control of your time, of your calendar. Make your marriage primary in those things. Put finances to it. Choose a date night. Go ahead and schedule and pay for babysitting ahead of time. If you're those people who are going somewhere different every single night, Every single night and weekend is taken up by games and practices and and all of that. Then, like I said, you're going to have to do some pruning. I promise your kids will survive not being in something 365 days a year. I know it sounds crazy. And I know some of you hate for me to say it. But your kids will survive survive being in only one sport a year. Oh, that's scary, right? I mean, how could we possibly do that? Here's what I think. I think your kids, if they're going to make, get the NCAA Division I scholarship, it's going to be, you know, just do that one sport. They'll be the same as if they did 17 sports, right? They're probably not going to get it. I'm just, I'm sorry. They're just not. They're just not. It's better parenting if you do that, and it's better for your marriage, which, based on what I just said a minute ago, circles back to better parenting, because what's good for your marriage is good for your kids. So look at where you sow your time and your money. That's what you'll grow. You cannot sow what you do not grow. Anything you don't cultivate will die. Have I told you this story before? Jesus said it in Luke 13. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. What do you do with a barren tree? Things look bleak. Your marriage looks barren. If you look at your calendar and where you spend your energy and your time and your money and you're honest with yourself, 90% of it goes to your kids. Your money goes to your kids. Your nights go to your kids. Your weekends go to your kids. Or maybe kids are out, out of your house and now all your time goes to hobbies that are separate from your spouse or to your career or whatever else. What do you do with a barren tree? The man said to the vine dresser, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? The vine dresser answered him, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. So what do you do with the barren tree? You could cut it down. Or you could get to work. You could dig around it. You could put fertilizer on it and try to get it to bear fruit again. You could could get to work. 
Start cultivating what you want to live and not die. Start sowing what you want to be growing. Get to work. What do you do with a house that the roof needs repairing and the counters need to be switched out and things are getting out of date? What what do you do? You can leave it and eventually it'll fall down around you or you can get to work. Renovate. Repair. But that's, that's a lot easier if you're preparing for it ahead of time, right? It's called maintenance. It's called preventative maintenance. If you're preparing ahead of time, that, those kind of repairs are a lot easier to handle when they come, right? And maybe you're looking at your marriage, maybe you're he- heading into a new season or you're there and you're looking around going, man, things look pretty barren. Things look pretty messed up. I don't think any amount of preparation is going to help. It's too late. Here's what I would say to that. It's not too late. It's never too late. That's what this parable is about. It's never too late to put the work in and turn things around. The vine dresser said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. So I guess what I'm saying when it comes to your marriage is that sometimes you got to put manure on it, right? Sometimes you got to throw a little manure on it. What I'm saying is it's not going to be easy. I know it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to stink. Like putting fertilizer or manure around a tree. Like pulling off a huge renovation project in your house. It's not going to be easy. But if you want your marriage to live, it'll be worth it. So worth it. Beloved, you cannot grow what you do not sow. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and the fact that you speak to us. You're so faithful to speak to us right where we're at. Your word is both timeless and timely right here in this moment. It changes us. We thank you for that. God, I I lay our marriages before you and ask you, Jesus, to protect them and to lead us towards you within our marriages. God, as we prayed or we talked today about sowing and growing, sowing and reaping, this idea that we, we can't be too lazy to plant in the spring and then expect a harvest in the fall. We can't do that. In our marriages, we can't be lazy. In our lives, we can't be lazy. Lord, I pray that no matter where we are in marriage, whether we're not married yet or, or coming out of a marriage or, or something like that, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that that principle, that spiritual principle of sowing and reaping, that you've woven into the foundation of the earth. God, I pray that it would sink deep into our hearts, that that seed would find good soil and bear fruit. Jesus, I pray that we would look around our lives, our marriage and other things, parenting and in our, our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey, and we would have the guts to ask ourselves, what are we sowing? What are we planting? And we would realize then what we're going to be growing, what we're going to be reaping. 
And so I pray, I guess, that those two things would be connected, that we would begin to intentionally and purposefully sow into our lives what we want to grow in our lives, that we would begin to sow into our lives what we want to reap, that we would take action, that we would change things. Within marriage, Lord, I I just want to confess that sometimes I can put my kids and parenting above marriage. And I pray, Jesus, that you would accept my confession of that. I ask for forgiveness. And we, as a body, we repent of where we've put those things because of our culture, because of our crazy, athletic, activity-driven whatever. That, that we've put our kids at the center of our lives and they don't belong there. God, you belong there. And then second, it's spouse. And then third, it's kids. So Lord, I, I confess of that and ask that you would help us to repent, to turn in a different direction and run towards you and order things correctly. We ask you these things, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? If your spouse is in the room... You need to shuffle around or something, grab their hand, put your arm around them, and I just want to say a prayer over you. Here's my prayer for our marriages today. May we prepare for all seasons. May we fight to keep the right order. God, spouse, then kids. And may we sow the right things so that we can grow the right things. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. We've got prayer workers on the side. We're going to sing one last song. Make sure you talk this over with your life group this week. If you're not in a life group, stop at Connection Central and we'll get you plugged in. As always, my challenge to you is to not let this stop with you. Just like today, you've been helped to take your next step towards God. So go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Grab the Bible, open it to Luke 13 and Proverbs 20. Talk about Jesus being first. Talk about marriage Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless. Don't miss next week for the close of our Fixer Upper series.